Hey everybody, this is Mark and welcome to episode 54 of the Hard Rock Core Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time here, thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it. If this is your second or your eighth or your 22nd or 33rd, thank you for coming back for more. I appreciate the support and giving me an opportunity. Today, I bring you a conversation I have with local guitar player, local being Sacramento, California, Mark Miner, who's the guitar player for the band Navian. And I first saw these guys a few years back. They were playing at Ace of Spades, and I walked in just as they started in a pretty impressive power metal band. And yes, I use the word power metal because that's probably the easiest association you can give them, but... The twin guitars in this band are very dynamic, uh, very just great melodies and the solos, and uh, I enjoyed. And I actually passed Mark a car that night because I definitely wanted to interview him. And that comes up during this episode of the podcast. Now, I've seen them a couple other times since then and uh, reached out to them recently because they're getting ready to embark on another tour and this time they're going to be out there touring with soulfly which is pretty damn cool at least in my eyes i mean max cavalera who in if you think about this episode 53 just had igor amadeus cavalera because he and max father son just put out the go ahead and die album so this is kind of a cool tie-in with that having mark here on this episode now we talk about local music we talk about loudness what Yes, we talked briefly about loudness. We talk about his holy trinity of guitar players as well. And Mark's a super nice guy. And it was just a a refreshing conversation. And definitely look forward to this band getting out on the road, touring with Soulfly, and getting out there again and interacting with fans because these guys do a great job. So if you happen to catch them on the road with Soulfly, get out there, say hello to them, shake their hands, meet them. Great band. Be sure to get there in time. They will be direct support for Soulfly. As always, you can find me online at hardrockcore.net. Links to all of my socials, including Instagram, Twitter, the Spotify playlist, the YouTube channel, and of course, all of this, the podcast information. And when you go visit those sites, those socials, YouTube, etc., make sure you like, subscribe, follow, leave a great comment, say hello, say what up. Let me know how you're doing out there. But now, let's roll into episode 54 with Mark Miner, guitar player for the band Navian from Sacramento, California. Enjoy the conversation. Awesome, we're going. So, uh, are you from SAC originally, or the area, I should say? Uh, myself, yeah. Uh, I was born in Sacramento, yeah, and um, grew up in a little town called Grass Valley, about an hour and a half north, I guess, of Sacramento. Grew up there, went to high school there, and then probably, I don't know, it was probably early twenties. Kind of ended up migrating more back down to this area. Started playing in bands and you know doing kind of the local thing, just like everybody else does. But I had to kind of like get away from the the small town in order to be to be able to do that. But in general, yes, I'm pretty much born and raised in the uh, NorCal area. Gotcha, man. So that, I, yeah, because Grass Valley is kind of, that's up in the mountains there pretty much, right? It is. That That's, that's small town. So now you're, now you're kind of like 
towards the mountain, but not up the mountain now. Yeah, it's kind of nice because, you know, it's it's an hour one way or an hour the other way um, where I'm at now. So, yeah, it's nice. Uh, I've been up there a few times. Uh, it's It's been a while. Uh, last time I was up there was probably, I don't know, five, six years ago or whatever. Um, it, like every other small town, you know, after you grow up and go back many years later, um, it's changed, but it still has kind of a, you know, small town vibe. A lot of, you know, small mom and pop shops are still up there, which, you know, is is nice to see. Right, right. Yeah, I grew up in a small town near Santa Barbara and um, it had like, I think a pop, well, it's bigger than Grass Valley. It had like a population, like 25,000 when I graduated. Okay. And, um, you know, that small town mentality, um, you know, I wanted to get out, not, not that I hate the people there, but I just, I, I needed to get out and do more. And I moved to LA and, you know, obviously live up here in SAC now, but SAC is kind of like the little big city. Cause we're, you know, we're close to the mountains. We're close to the beach. We can, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. that, that, that's what I love about it so much. We can get everywhere and it's not too busy for us here. Yeah. You can go two hours, one way to Reno, two hours, the other to Tahoe. Uh, and depending on, you know, just how far to the coast you want. I mean, you can be in Monterey. Uh, I guess that would be, more towards like southeast or you can go uh northwest up to like fort bragg um okay. it's a pretty good like as far as centralized you know and then if you uh want to be in la i mean it's what seven hours depending yeah. on depending on how much you know time you got to stop for gas coffee and all that other stuff but it's uh yeah it's it's i mean it's it's a centralized location in, in northern california that's uh you know pretty pretty close to a lot of other stuff absolutely now just so you know, my first encounter with you guys, I'm trying to remember if I'm, did you guys open for warrant? Yes. That's the first time <laughs> I saw you guys, actually. That's the That's, first time I saw you guys. That was a, uh, that was a really interesting show. We were on our first tour and I actually got a message from Live Nation asking if we would be interested in doing that show. And I remember literally like, looking at the message and I was telling the guys and um, of course there's a couple of the, the guys in the band who, you know, start singing cherry pie or down, <laughs> you know, whatever silly song that was or whatever. My first reaction was, I don't know if that's exactly a good fit for us. Um, and then again, at the same time, it's like, you know, we, we've always enjoyed playing Ace of Spades. We usually end up on some of the larger shows there when we do play in Sacramento and I think maybe we were home like a week or two. So we were like fresh off the road from 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 being on tour. So we were still kind of in that full steam ahead. We're just like, F it. Let's, you know, let's go ahead and do it. So it was a little bit of a mix. I mean, there was a lot of people that you could kind of expect to be at, you know, a warrant show. And, you know, we came out kind of doing what we do. And I, I don't think people, I think a lot of people liked it. And a lot of people were just like, holy crap i didn't expect that because there's obviously a big difference i mean it was you know it was their show and we didn't interact at all with those guys but we didn't have any issues and uh we sold a lot of merch that night so i guess we did something right yeah actually i i i passed you a card when you were at the merch table and, and talking to fans actually and so you know and i know i i've communicated with uh with uh norman uh a few times through social media just trying to talk with you guys and set something up because i enjoyed what i saw that night and uh i did, uh did we talk kind of like in that main hallway 
Like you walk in and there's a bar to the left. I want to say that somebody handed me a card. It, it was, was probably me. you. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Okay, cool. absolutely. I do remember that. I do remember that. Well, here we are <laughs> three, year, three years later. Cool. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, you know, I, I saw it and, and I'm always hungry for music and new music and uh, being able to talk music with people. And, I, you know, somebody, some guy at the merch table, I heard him walking away and goes, oh, so-and-so takes guitar lessons from him. And I'm like, okay, he's giving lessons. He's what I saw on stage was good, but you, you probably understand some theory a bit and a little bit of schooled background there. And I always love those kind of conversations with people. Oh, and, yeah. uh, but I think you guys, you guys went over really, really well that night. And yeah, there's somewhat of a style difference, but I think at this yeah. point, you know, pe people for the most part, I mean, you're not, you're not playing poison with cannibal corpse. It's not no. that far. No, extreme. It wasn't that extreme. Yeah. You know, but I think, you know, people are, you know, especially live music for, you know, what, what you guys play and Warren plays, it's, it's guys with their instruments. And I think the rock bass really is starting to come together. And especially with things back, re, you know, reopening again, we want yeah. people who play their instruments. We want live music. We want guys who sing and guys who are going to hit the note just a little bit flat because they're doing it for reals. You know, sure. they're not lip syncing it or auto tuning yeah. everything live, you know? Yeah. Oh, uh, we're, we're, <laughs> for sure i mean we're dying to get back out there just like you know every other band so uh yeah things are uh, on the mend and we're going in the right direction so um yeah for sure there's a lot of bands that might be a little bit of a mishmash or bands that maybe before the world fell apart that you never really would have thought about either appreciating or seeing live um and i'll interject another point of mine after this and that's that now that things are opening back up, I mean, people are just dying to go out and be entertained. People just want to go out and hang out with their friends, have a drink. I mean, even if the band is almost background music, the fact that people can still go and be entertained and the musicians can get back to work. I mean, that's really what matters. I mean, that might not be, you know, your go to band stylistically, but the fact that those doors are opening up, I think I think sometimes people miss that part of the equation. You know, because everybody's been, you know, isolated for so long. So it's good for the bands. It's good for the fans. It's good for the clubs. It's good for the employees of the clubs. So let's, uh, you know, let's 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 get on with it. You know, we're ready. Exactly. And that's that's what kind of uh, prompted the exchange. I think again between Norman and I was, you know, the announcement of the Soulfly tour that you guys picked up. And I'm like, damn, yep. that's a, that's a great tour. And you know, you guys starting in, in, in the Southwest and then heading back East. That's a great run to be on. I'm like, man, this is. is, let's talk and let's get this out there and try to get some more publicity, man, for the hometown guys. So, yeah, I um, really appreciate it. you know, really, really, really appreciate that. That tour of Max is awesome. So that's, that's going to be a great, oh. and is, is it just two bands? Like the first, uh, like second? Yeah, leg? yeah, we are basically a touring package uh, doing main support for Soulfly. Um, actually, like right here. <laughs> I actually just printed out the itinerary. Nice. And there and there's a lot. Um, as far as I know, the contract that we have is uh, it's pretty much just us as um, like a touring package. And um, as to you know certain venues, I'm sure we'll probably have you know one or two you know pretty pretty standard. You know there'll be there'll be a, a couple locals opening up the show. Uh, we'll have main support, and then Soulfly will come up and you know tear it up. Right on, man. It, it, were, were you a Sepultura fan growing up? Were you into the thrash scene like that? You know, I, it's, it's funny. So Sepultura was one of those bands that 
they they were they were kind of on and sort of off my my radar so to speak um a lot of the thrashy stuff um i was probably exposed to bands like exodus um testament obviously early metallica stuff early megadeth stuff um so that kind of stuff appealed to me sepultura was one of those bands that was you know it's like i would hear them in passing they have and have always had almost, I don't want to say a cult following, but sort of, because they were never, they were never quite as mainstream, obviously, some as some of the other bands that I just mentioned, you know, but metal in general has really always kind of been an underdog and Sepultura sort of had their niche and um, their fans are, are, are very loyal. I mean, we're, we're reading comments on the, uh, the social media stuff and, and the press that's been released. I mean, there's people that are really, really excited to see Max and Soulfly going out together because he's been involved in, you know, obviously Sepultura and Conspiracy and, you know, multiple projects. So for the mastermind, so to speak, to actually be putting this together and going back out on the tour, that's a big thing. So we're really excited and, and honored to be um, a part of that. We were like totally stoked when, when the offer came in. We were you know, basically texting between us after the email from our management came in. And I think within five minutes, it was, you know, an, a unanimous, yes, let's do it. Let's find out what the details are and move forward. We found out what the details are. It was a good match. Um, there'll be some logistics stuff and details to work out like any other tour. But um, demographically, this is um, this is a part of the U.S. that we have not done. We, okay. we our, our first tour we went out with uh, Sirenia, um, this kind of like symphonic metal band from Norway and um, a band from uh, Canada called Threat Signal. Right. And um, I was actually just talking to uh, Ryan, their bass player, the other day on Instagram. And we became really good friends with those guys. And that was our first taste of like actually, you know, we do a lot of shows away from our home base of Sacramento. Um, so, but this was our first time where we're, you know, we're self you know, managing and self-funding everything. And we are as far away from home, starting on the East Coast. We wrapped down through the Carolinas and into Florida, up into Atlanta, and then started to kind of zigzag our way back down through like Texas, New Mexico and all that. Second tour, um, we started Pacific Northwest, ended up in Vancouver, dropped down through like Idaho, a couple of the Rocky Mountain states, back up into Canada for four provinces up there. And then we dropped down through the Dakotas and then came home. This tour, we're starting off in New Mexico and literally making like a straight line pretty much all the way through the Midwest. we got a couple of festivals nice. in there, which are going to be awesome. And then um, our leg of the tour wraps up on the East Coast with uh, uh, a couple nights in New York and uh, Rhode Island. So it's going to be a it's going to be a brutal drive home because I think we've got like 17 days, <clears throat> no days off. And we're like, wow, you know, 4000 miles away from home. But you know, it is what it is. We're just happy to be a part of it. So, you know, we're going to do it. We're looking forward to it. Well, I've never seen that part of the country either. So, you know, okay. okay. I see most of it through a glass window and, you know, your, your, your RV or your bus or whatever. But, uh, you know, there'll be, there'll be a little bit of downtime here and there, which is nice. So, uh, I'm looking forward to it for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, being, you know, you guys aren't on a major and, you know, with re everything reopening back up, Mm -hmm. Again, to get on this tour and the hunger that those fans are going to have out there, oh, yeah. you guys are going to reap so many great rewards from the fans who want that live music. And, you know, especially when you're playing right before Max's, that crowd's going to want to be trying to get up front. So they're going to be more inclined to stay up front for you guys yeah. and hug onto the rails up front, man. Oh, so yeah. 
This yeah, is going to be exciting shows. We're, we were actually all just having a discussion earlier about, I mean, we kind of previously had this discussion too about, uh, you know, we, we definitely want to, uh, you know, we want to win some fans over. Um, you know, we understand that we're, we're the unknown underdog in a lot of these places. I mean, we're getting some feedback from people that um, have discovered the band from before that were really excited to see us on their tour. But we know that, you know, we're, we're, we're the support act. It's, it's Max and, and, you know, so just being respectful to that. But we also know that uh, we plan on going out there and burning it down. Um, we've pretty much picked out uh, what we think is a, is a good set of material, you know, that's, you know, heavy to pump the crowd up. And uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully they'll like what they see in here. Because a lot of these guys, you know, they've never heard of us. And we've done so many shows on previous tours where, you know, you meet people afterwards. And one of the things that I loved, it sounds weird, but one of the things I love to hear is, you know, man, I, I never heard of your band. And the guy is standing there with a CD in this hand and a band shirt in this hand. Right. So right. we are the type of a band that has always sort of built our our following, our, our audience. I don't like to use the word fans. That's a little pretentious. But our fan base, our audience, we are the type of a band because of the kind of music that we do we we are like you know one you know one one fan at a time so for for that to happen and it happens a lot i mean all of us will you know all the guys in the band will tell you that but for somebody to sit go dude i didn't know who you were until 45 minutes ago and they've got you know a patch or a bumper sticker or a cd or something you know um so i like hearing that as opposed to like oh you know they'll play at the same club you know in two months and they're going to play the same songs and it's going to be the same crowd. And Navayan, pretty much from the beginning, never we've never done it that way. We we we've certainly not chosen you know the easier, softer path. But it's it's the way that you know we have always felt about best representing ourselves. And we understand that this is not going to be you know an easy road. It's not for any band. Um, the yeah. music industry is not a kind industry. So the the best thing you can do is go out there and just be honest. You meet people, you shake hands, they buy your merch, you're thankful, you're grateful, you load the bus, and you move on to the next, and you do it all over again. And that's what right. we're about. No, that you you guys had great fan interaction, you know, at your at your merch booth when I saw you that time, and I've seen you a couple other times since then as well too. I think another time at Ace, and I think another time was at Holy Diver, perhaps. But um, that that, that fan interaction, that's why. I do what I do. So I, I want to be a, a simple connector for the bands and the fans that your, your fan base can hear this. And then, you know, I, I just, it's funny, the last podcast episode I had was with um, Max's son with Igor, not his brother, but Igor was just on because they just put out a side project called Go Ahead and Die. Mm -hmm. And he was on the last episode. And, um, you know, I just want to be that, that little conduit, whether it's, you know, 20 people, 2,000, 200,000 who can listen to it, get exposure to it and bridge that gap. Now, sure. you know, it, night one, you guys need to make a Navayan t-shirt in Brazilian colors and go present it to Max. <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> you know, like, hey, Max, Max and the crew, here you guys go Brazilian shirt. Divine with with the colors, you know, the green, yellow, and blue. Yeah. Here you go. It's a peace offering, and you know, off to a great start on the tour, something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's that's a good idea. Uh, we had a, a Zoom meeting with our management 
um, the other day, they're actually overseas. And we asked, you know, is there anything we need to know? Is there anything we need to look out for? Is there a list of do's and don'ts? Again, just being, being, being receptive and respectful to, you know, the fact that, um, you know, we're not the rock stars of the show. Um, they, uh, we actually do get a, a tour writer for the first time. So I guess we're stepping up and nice. Congratulations. You know, so that's really cool. I'm like, we do, I'm like, we get one of those. And <laughs> we're all such kind of low-key dudes it's just like hey man as long as if they're serving healthy food and you know a couple of bottles of water and and we get a sound check you know i mean i mean our list i mean we're we're, we're you know we're we're cheap dates we we don't have, <laughs> we, we don't ask for a lot you know um, Come on, you gotta ask for new socks out. new socks man yeah yeah new socks and uh the uh the the writer thing was um a neat thing but the the thing that we really wanted to find out was what were they like to work for because there's horror stories of a lot of bands and then there's a lot of oh, great yeah. friendships and bond you know like i said i was just talking to ryan from threat signal we had never met before that tour he lives uh, god i think like ontario and i'm here in california so we've never seen each other outside of that two weeks we were on the road together but three years later we still check in because we still actually care about what's going on in each other's lives. How's your band doing? How's your family? And uh, the Sepultura camp and well, basically the Cavalera camp. Um, it, it's it's a very tight knit family. I think one of his kids actually is in charge of his merch. I think his wife uh, is the tour manager. Um, some something to the I might Probably. have. The point is, is that they are they are all very, very close knit connected. They know who they can trust. They know they're not going to get ripped off from the merch guy. They know that you know the management is not skimming off the top. And when you're dealing with people like that, um, we're a pretty tight knit organization. We always have been. So the first thing our management said is, you guys are going to get along so well because you guys run a pretty tight ship, as do they. So. Um, that was nice to hear. It wasn't like, okay, the guitar player is a jerk and the drummer's a prima donna and the singer. It wasn't any of that. It was like, they're a tight knit family. They're pros. You guys are going to be just fine. So we're like, cool. Well, that that's cool. And I know, you know, years, and like, I remember seeing a few shows on the very first Soulfly tour and they had bands like, I think it was Seven Dust and Snot playing with them back in the day. And they always did some type of jam session on stage. You know, the drummers yeah. brought out their toms and stuff like that. So I know you guys have a new drummer now uh, in do. the band. But, you know, make sure he's doing some Brazilian rhythms on the drums. Or Max hears that, he, you know, because yeah. we, need to, we need to do the jam session, you know, because they're always open for that stuff. That's which cool. Is good. Well, maybe that'll happen. And uh, if it does, cool. You know, that's things you guys throw up on your socials and people, man, they're jamming with Soulfly. That's a that's a cool thing, man. I, yeah. I, I I think you guys will do well out there. But I, I do want to talk a little bit um, about you have two full length albums, correct? Correct. You put out one in, I think, 2017, then just one last year as well. Yes. Okay. Uh, the Druid King was their debut album, came out in 2017. And the Ruthless Divine came out October 30th, uh, just last year. And a very Viking-esque cover for the Ruthless Divine as well. Well, just for shameless, you know, promotion purpose, I just acted, you know, oh, look, here, on my desk. <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah, so Ruthless Divine, um, what did you say, very Viking-esque cover? Yeah, cover on that one. Uh, you know, you gotta love it. That's... Uh, 
that's a compliment. We'll take it. Thank you. Uh, the, yeah, um, the guy, in fact, the guy who did, I can never pronounce the guy's name right. Uh, I read it. I can't do it either. Dusan. He he did uh, uh, the Druid King. I don't have one of those laying around here. Um, he did that. And it, it's really funny because when you get reviews and they they interject things like, you know, the production value and the songs and the singer and blah, blah, blah. But a lot of those reviews were talking about how well presented of a package we gave. And we, we really have to give Dusan the credit for that. I mean, we did the layout and, and all of that, but he, he was the guy who basically kind of brought it all to life. And we liked it so much. We commissioned him for the ruthless divine and um, he definitely outdid himself. Um, yeah. I, I love the artwork. Yeah. It looks great. And again, a great album as well. Well, thank and you. I wanted to talk about your writing process. Now, are you the main songwriter? Is it you're the guitar player, you know, keyboard player? How, how do you guys write? So I'll I'll kind of back up a little bit and move forward. When when the Druid King was basically sort of being written, that was literally about the same time that the band was kind of coming together. We had parted ways with. Um, our original drummer and our original guitar player. So when the new guys come in, you're all getting to know each other and they're already, you know, and they're kind of learning, you know, whatever uh, catalog may have preceded them. So at the same time, our whole idea was to basically move forward as possible with moving into a recording project, not just go out and, you know, sort of do that same little 50 mile square radius of shows that we were talking right. about. That we've never really done. So um, the Druid King was kind of written in the, you know, kind of getting to know you phase. And um, it went very, very well. Um, myself and our bass player, Rick, had written pretty much the majority um, of everything on the Druid King. And when Gary came into the band, he had a riff that turned into uh, the song called Arise Samurai, which um, made it obviously to the album. And then by the time we got to Ruthless Divine, you know, we'd been together, we'd been on two different tours. Um, we had certainly had a lot of bonding time. We had a ton of shows, two tours. And at that point, everybody starts to kind of come into their own and gel together. Uh, Gary did a lot more writing. Um, Rick's got a few on there. Um, I've got a few on there. There's a couple of collabs where I would write the majority of it. Rick would come up with the bridge. Uh, Gary would write the majority of something. And then somebody would throw in, you know, uh, changing up the chorus or whatever. Norm pretty much handles all the arrangement stuff as he is our main lyricist. And fast forward to now, album number three is about three quarters in the bag. And... Wow. Um, you know, I've got a few that are that are basically done and in the bag. Um, Gary's been on a writing spree um, pretty heavy over uh, like the, the better part of like the last several months. And we don't really so much write 40 songs and say, OK, let's pick the 10, 11, 12 best or whatever. Um, it's either because we just have way too much freaking ADD and we just... <laughs> You know, we just we <laughs> throw it in the pile and then we take an honest look at it like, OK, is this worthy of putting onto an album? And if the answer is no, we won't even rehearse it. I mean, we basically take a collective and, you know, it's hard sometimes because whoever is writing it, I mean, you're putting your heart and soul into something 
and you're really hoping that people will like it. Well, with us, we're our own worst critics and we have to sort of be comfortable with that. So we don't really get into the whole idea of who wrote what. I mean, it benefits all of us. Um, so it's safe to say that, you know, fast forward to the present going into album number three, um, as things have progressed, uh, the writing, um, I think is definitely matured. I mean, I know that's a really cliche thing to say, um, but people are definitely going to see that um, on the Ruthless Divine compared to Druid King. And then whatever we call the third album, you'll see that natural progression, because if you just stay stagnant, you know, and just reproduce the same thing, that's exactly what you are. You're just reproducing what you've already done. We found our niche pretty early and we would like to say that, uh, you know, the next one will be uh, probably heavier, um, but it still has that, you know, Navayan thing, whatever, whatever that thing is, we haven't like straight, you know, we're, we're not like stylistically changing anything. We're just evolving and, and refining and everybody essentially gets uh, a hand in it, whether they write something from beginning to end or somebody has a part, somebody has a part, somebody has a part, and then it all comes together. The main, the main thing is at the end of the day, is the song good? I mean, right. it doesn't matter if I wrote it, Rick wrote it, Gary wrote it, if all three of us collaborated at the end of the day, you know, and it ends up on one of these and people like it, fine. That's what matters. You know, everybody's pretty good about keeping their ego in the back seat when it comes to stuff like that. So that's good. You know, that's one of the things I've never really, even though being in the business, not understanding the songwriting credits, because, you know, you look at some albums and it's one guy, one guy's name on the songwriting credit. Like you may see Steve Harris, you know, from Iron sure. Man, he wrote the entire song, or you look at, Motley Cruz, have you seen Nikki Six? And you go, yeah. did he play the drums for that? Did he, you know, did he sing all this? Did he write the guitar solo? Which I've always said, that's unless that person wrote everything. Sure. Which nowadays it's possible, but I've never understood that old principle from way back then when there wasn't, you know, home studios and Pro Tools that you could sit down and program it all back then, you know. But people get yeah. those songwriting credits. It's always been a, a fascinating thing on, on how it works, to me anyways. Well, I think if I could just interject on that, you're also talking about bands that existed during a time in a music industry that actually was run like an industry where people were paid much differently than they are now. Absolutely. So it doesn't matter if Nikki Six wrote it or if Steve Harris wrote it. Um, you know, those guys get spun on Spotify millions and millions of times. And you have to have just a stupid amount of spins when it comes to you know, any kind of uh, digital platform, yeah. you know, to really make any money. I mean, those guys are still collect, you know, people can say whatever they want about bands like Guns N' Roses, but like somebody said something like, oh, well, why isn't Izzy Stradlin on the reunion tour? It's like, well, because obviously him and Axel as grown ass men still haven't been able to like bury the hatchet, but Izzy Stradlin is still collecting royalties off an album released, you know, when did Appetite come out? 25, 30 years ago. Yeah. He, he is not starving. The industry, as it was then, is not what it is now. Nobody no. is fighting to have more names on an album because they think they're going to make more money. And Navayan no. is basically a, uh, a self-funded machine. So whoever writes or whatever, it all has the name Navayan on it. So what benefits one guy benefits all of us. And we established that pretty early on when when we you know decided to do this because the second you start putting 
you know, well, I want more and I wrote five songs and you wrote three songs and how are we going to, you know, you start taking out a calculator and you start bitching about stuff that it's not needed. It really doesn't matter. You know what I mean? I mean, that's a, that's a real quick way to like <clears throat> friendships. And, you know, we've seen it happen a million times where bands create, you know, their, their oh, art and then they're taking three different tour buses in three different directions because they freaking hate each other. I don't want to be like that. You know, that's the worst thing in the world. And we, you know, everybody can say, Oh, it's artistic differences. It's not, it's money. And it's now, it's and now, financial. And now, yeah. And nowadays you don't have a label that's going to, you know, put the singer on a plane and the guitar player on his own private tour bus. Those days are over. Those Unless are gone, you man. are a band like Motley Crue or Iron Maiden, where you have created almost like this empire that, that doesn't happen. It just doesn't. It's, Those days it's, are gone. It's so self-governed now. People have no idea. Even bands that are huge, that are quote unquote newer, you know, they're, you know, they're doing the exact same thing that we're doing. Basically, yep. Napoleon is a self-governed, you know, machine. I mean, we do have outside influence and we do commission people to like, you know, mix our album and do our artwork and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, outside of getting a little bit of, um, you know, insight, and support that we have, you know, from our management. Um, you can't go into this thinking you're going to have your own private plane just because you wrote more songs on an album. That's just not. No. That's just not how it works. No, not not at all. That's I. You know, we've seen. I'm sure some of your favorite bands of mine. The, how many bands have the same guys in it? You know, if outside of ZZ Top, you know, outside of Rush, minus you know that you know the original drummer. You sure. Know, None of those bands, nobody has the original members anymore, or they've kind of ebbed and flow because, oh, you know, Mark and I can make up now. We'll be friends for years. So we can go, you know, pocket a couple million and I'll be done with it afterwards. They jump out of the band again. That's just sure that that's I feel bad for the fans. But, you know, we all love our music and stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I did want to question one thing about you. Um, okay. I've seen, you know, some of the stuff you put online, the, the scales you're putting up there. You said you were working on something special um, on one of your posts, if I'm not mistaken. Some get, it, it may have been an older post, um, but does it have anything to do with loudness at all? Oh, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I have a buddy, uh, Alan Dean, who is actually from the Sacramento area. And uh, Alan lives somewhere far away. I don't even know where he lives. Somewhere, I think, in the Midwest or the South or something. And Alan and I back when he he was local you know we were we were friends and we would hang out and our bands would play and all that and he hit me up probably two years ago as he was been as he's been working on his own solo material and asked hey would you mind throwing down some solo stuff on my project and i'm like absolutely well um me not being functional unless i have 16 irons in the fire said oh yeah sure well one thing led to another and because i had 16 irons in the fire i honestly just couldn't commit to it as much as i i wanted to because his songs are great he's a great singer and he's a, he's a great guy um so fast forward to present when he told me about this covers thing and he asked me about that and you know loudness was kind of one of those bands from the 80s that uh again they were like one of those bands like you, you either kind of got it or you or you didn't and um the musicianship, uh, Akira Takasaki Ooh. was sort of revered as like the Japanese, like Van Halen or Ingve Malmsteen kind of. Yeah. And um, I remember like when I first started playing guitar a long time ago, that name got brought up 
So even way, way back then, I, I was kind of familiar with them. So when Alan asked me to play on this song, you know, again, I, I was kind of like, sure, that sounds awesome. So he sends me the link and I'm listening to it going, oh, shit, this is freaking hard. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I had to put some time in it, but I, I did it. And uh, I basically he flew me in uh, the uh, the rhythm tracks. Um, that's another beautiful thing now today about writing, collaborating. Right. You can be anywhere. You can send me your rhythm tracks and I throw down mine and send them back to you. And, you know, out, full length albums are actually now made that way. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I, I threw down uh, the solo to the best of my ability. It was a song called um, oh, shit, uh, Crazy Doctor. And um, yeah, it was pretty challenging. It's got this really cool, like neoclassical influence in there. And um, it's a uh, it's a shredder. And I sent it to Alan and I'm like, like this. And he's like, yes. And I'm like, all right. And nice. I sent it. You know, basically, I just filmed myself doing the solo section, and he did all the editing. You could find it on YouTube. Look for Alan Dean, and just well, you'll probably find it by that. I think the the cover, like when you're scrolling through uh, YouTube, it'll actually say like loudness or whatever. And um, so yeah, that was a hundred percent his project. I just contributed by learning the solo, playing it, did my thing, and you know. But I've never done something like that. I just either don't have the time or. Um, it might not be something that I'm really that interested in, but this one, this, this was kind of cool. So that, if that's what you're talking about, then yeah. that's, that's, yeah. And this was, I don't know, maybe what, about a month or two ago. Yeah. 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 That was it. Yeah. Very, very cool though. And I know that I know they're playing Holy Diver sometime next year. So that's, mm -hmm. I'm excited to see. So I never got to see them back in the day. The only time they came near me in Santa Barbara, it was, it was loudness and keel playing. Oh, okay. And uh, I didn't get to see that when I gave Ron Keel a bunch of shit for it because uh, um, just because he's Ron Keel, you know, <laughs> and it, that, that, that voice. But, um, you know, I, all my friends went most of my friends went from high school at the time, like, oh, my God, best show ever. Well, we hadn't seen many shows at that point in time. Sure. But, uh, you know, it was three just, shows and this one was the best one. <laughs> the best out of three, Max. The, the only other one before that, I think, was uh, Saxon and Motley Crue actually okay. was the ones that came we didn't get a lot of rock shows it wasn't until we learned how to how to drive and get our driver's license where we can go to la to see shows and whatnot sure. but so, you know what's, what's really funny is some of those bands you know you fast forward and some of those bands have stood the test of time and others it's like bro you should just like not oh yeah you know i mean i've seen anthrax for instance i saw them in the late 80s i saw them in Oh, man, when was it? I saw, I saw them in the late 80s, and then I saw them um, in San Bernardino. Uh, this was probably five, six, seven years ago, opening for Iron Maiden. That was a killer bill. It was Maiden, Testament, Anthrax, oh, yeah. and Megadeth. It was freaking rad. And so, you know, there was a decade and a half plus between that show and that show. And then I just saw them on the Slayer Farewell, Farewell Tour about two years ago. So I've seen these guys in three different decades and it's like, they just got better. There's not many, yeah. big, especially with metal because it's a pretty physical form of music. Yeah. I mean, these guys are freaking grandpas and they are just slaying. I mean, Joey Belladonna's voice sounds great. Scotty. And of course is always super entertaining to watch. And the songs just sound good. And people, both the old school fans and the new ones, I mean, they're, they're eating it up. So there's not a lot of bands that we can say that about that we maybe saw back in the day 
and then just two years ago that actually, yeah. in my opinion, actually got better. Yeah, they were killer. Same with same with a band like Iron Maiden. I've seen Iron Maiden like five times, and every single time it's like these guys just don't age. You know, yeah. it's because they it's because they're doing what they love, and I think that's that's ninety nine percent of it. It really is. If you're not happy with what you're doing, and you're freaking hate the guys in your band and you're struggling with personal issues and drug abuse and blah 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 your time is going to be very short in this industry absolutely man you look at guys like that they take care of themselves they take care of each other and here they are 30 years later still doing it i think that's rad i want to be that and and they've got that way because you know dave murray lives in hawaii nick goes down to florida you know steven they're all (laughs) over they don't have to see each other all the time no they haven't they got the perfect marriage they hate each other You know, such such legacy bands. Was that stuff that what what before I let you go? What were your earliest things that that made you want to pick up guitar and play? What were those bands or guitar players for you? Um, well, it's no secret I'm a huge like Randy Rhodes fan. Um, that was probably my first exposure to I want to play guitar. Now, previously, um, you know, I was a little bonehead rocker kid, and I was listening to you know like ACDC and Sabbath and Maiden. Judas Priest, you know, um, bands like, or, or uh, albums like Number of the Beast and Judas Priest, Screaming for Vengeance, mm-hmm. um, Defenders of the Faith. Um, the whole Queensryche catalog was huge. And uh, when I heard Ozzy with Randy, I mean, I was a, I mean, I was really, really young when he passed away, but I still knew that I liked what I heard. So it wasn't until many, many years later that I actually started playing and um i remember even then randy was like always kind of at the front end of my influences and then you know your taste changes you get older and you get into different things and study right. different kinds of music and so forth um but you know i have i guess you know i have my favorites of guys that i sort of technically grew up with i guess and for me that those three are uh definitely Rhodes. Uh, Ingve Malmsteen and of course King Edward because to me those three guys are the three guys in some way shape or form all these I mean there's a pantheon of great guitar players we could be here for hours and those three names constantly get brought up you know right. um, and then the new school if you will of, uh, I mean I'm, I'm pretty you know I'm pretty open-minded when it comes to you know listening it doesn't mean I'm gonna always like it but I mean, I think um, the the newer generation, they're getting better and better, especially at at younger ages, um, just because there's such a wealth of material, you know, and, you know, you know, my guitar influences did not have YouTube, you know, they had their ear, they had their ear, they had a record player. So I want to know, okay, cool, who is going to be the next Yngwie or the next Randy Rhodes, not in the sense of playing like that. But leaving a legacy that's 30 years plus or whatever, especially after they pass away, you know, young like Randy did, you know, Eddie, you know, I'm still heartbroken about that. But the saving grace to Eddie is I remember being a little kid listening to those albums. And here we are in 30, 40, 50 years from now, people are still going to be talking about how that guy changed the way people play guitar. And um, you just can't, you know, you just can't deny that. So guys like that are very, very you know, there's a lot of great guitar players, but every once in a while you get somebody like that who just like changed the game. You know, there's yeah. guitar before Ingve and there's guitar after Ingve. Right. You know, um, some of the new guys that I'm really into, I love uh, Andy James. Okay. Uh, 
Nice. He's uh, uh, like an instrumental shred guy. I want to say he's now in like Five Finger Death Punch also. Mm, yeah, he, of, he got the money gig. I would, you know, a lot of people can talk smack, but you know what? You got to get paid, and yet he can still do whatever he wants. And the same goes for Jeff Loomis. I'm a huge oh, Jeff Loomis fan. Beast, beast. I've seen Loomis player. with uh, Arch Enemy a couple of times, and now something got brought up that he's playing uh, in like the new, you know, fifteenth version of Graham Bonnet's Alcatraz. Well, people are like, "Oh my God, he's selling out!" Blah 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 blah. And I'm just like, you know, you need to like shut up because that guy can basically do whatever he wants in his solo career. But he's smart. He's in one of the hugest metal bands ever, i.e. Arch Enemy. He's playing in front of sold-out crowds. He's playing at Wacken Festival. He's playing in front of 50,000 people, blah, 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 blah. Well, when he comes home and he does the Jeff Loomis solo shred, you know, he's playing in front of 200 guy guitar players like you and me. Going, right. oh, oh, did you hear that arpeggio he did? <laughs> well, I think he's able to do that just for his own craft, you know. At the same time, he'll probably do a couple of European uh, uh, tours with Alcatraz because not many people can play like that early Ingwe stuff or whatever. So I say good for him. Get paid and then be able to do whatever you want on the side. Um, you know, guys like that I'm really into. Um, what's the other guy? Oh, Chris Broderick. I love Chris Broderick, too. Oh, awesome guy. Awesome. Super sweet guy as well. Really cool guy. Yeah. But he he can he, he's a, another schooled guy. Who has his degree and um oh yeah just so yeah look at look him up on youtube like playing classical he's like in a turtleneck turtleneck sweater and his hair (laughs) and he's playing like bach and you're just like that's not the guy from megadeth and like yeah it is it is he's just that good i think that's awesome yeah he's he's an incredible player and just just a musician his ear and he he's i asked him how he writes one time and he's he writes linear. He takes the idea and he won't stop until he writes the whole song. He won't doesn't piece it together or come back to it. He's like, I just have to lock into that that idea and finish the song, then I'm done with it. Yeah. I was like, that's a discipline. And a lot of people, and I'll come back to it. Let me get inspired again. But he just sure. muscles through. Yeah. Well, you, know? you got, got guys that like uh, you know, John Petrucci as well, too. You know, that very school. Yeah who's also playing with very schooled musicians too. And sometimes that can be a train wreck. People don't understand sometimes when you get like mega, mega, this is why a lot of those super groups don't work out because everybody's got their own little ego from their own little project. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But, uh, you know, when you grow up going to Berkeley school of music and the only thing you've ever known is playing in dream theater, you're going to be good, you know, and there's not a lot of guys like that. So yeah, huge Petrucci fan as well. Yeah, he he he's another beast, and um, God, uh, Tosa Nabasi from Animals as Leaders. Oh, have you seen him? Yeah. Oh yeah, he's another kind of a unique player in how he does a lot of the tapping and how he does a lot of the effects on the guitars for his sounds as well. It's just sure. incredible layers and sounds. Plus, just the drummers who he plays with for that stuff is phenomenal because it's time signature wise, it's everything. Oh yeah. Well, like I was saying, it's like it's got to be a unit. So a band like Dream Theater, as great as Petrucci is, you know, it's like the drums have to be good to to dupe those dupe uh, uh, dupe those um, keyboard lines in harmony. You right. got to be good. Um, you know, it's basically a, a well-oiled machine. And then these guys who can afford to do solo side projects, you know, especially now over the last year and a half. I mean, all these guys have had time to just like write and sort of express what they want. 
and uh, you know put out solo albums. So you know the guitar nerd in me gobbles up that kind of stuff. But at the oh, end of the absolutely. day, I would much rather go see Arch Enemy as a band rather than just Jeff Loomis as the shred solo guy who just makes me want to go home and put my guitar in a wood chipper. Because <laughs> <laughs> he is that good. Because he is that good, man. That's that's phenomenal, man. But sure. you know. Just, just want to say thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Thank you, Mark. Um, you know, best of luck to you guys on this tour out there. We'd love to connect with you when you guys are back. Or do you have a hometown show planned yet? I think the only thing we have local coming up is Reno at the, oh, God, what is it called now? Ale House something. It used to be Rock Bar. And then previously before that was uh, the Knitting Factory. It's in okay. Reno. I want to say it's called like, something ale house or uh hold on, let me see if it's actually on here well the name of the festival is called devastation in the desert okay um you, you can find it on our website or whatever and uh there's a bunch of bands playing this it was postponed like four times throughout 2020 but it's finally on that will be what i say uh july 24th I don't think there is anything local in sacramento anytime soon um when we get back from the tour um, I've talked a little bit to, uh, my contact at live nation who has a couple of things in the works, but it's just, it's a little too early to tell, you know, by the time all of that happens, you're talking about late summer going into the fall. And especially with, uh, shows opening back up and bands getting back to work, um, you're going to see these venues and, and tours and whatnot, uh, book up pretty quick. So we, Absolutely. we will certainly get on a, a local Sacramento show as soon as it's the right show for us. And, uh, you know, there's a spot open for us because, uh, you know, it is our hometown and we hope to be uh, playing here soon. Absolutely, man. Again, thank you so much for your time. I will shoot you a link when this is all edited together. And, uh, you know, again, best luck out. Uh, can't even speak. Best luck to you all on the road with the tour, man. Really appreciate it, Mark. Thank you. I do. Take care, man. Take Bye. care. And that was my conversation with Mark Miner, guitar player from the band Divine, who are getting ready to head out later this year, actually about a month and a half, with Soulfly. So be sure to get out to those shows. Check them out. Check them out online at Nevian.com as well. And follow them on their socials. Check them out. Great, great power metal band. They're already working on their next album, and the last one just came out last year, so they're being productive, as many bands hopefully did last year when it came down to the pandemic. As always, you can find me online at hardrockcore.net, which has links to all of my socials, including Instagram, Twitter, the Spotify playlist, the YouTube channel, and of course, all of this, the podcast information, where I hope you will give me a great rating, give me a thumbs up, give me a heart, give me a star, whatever you want to do out there, leave a comment, make sure you tell a friend as well. As I always say, stay safe, stay true, tell your family and friends you love them, give them a hug, and have an awesome day.